0: Hello and welcome to Robots in Your Eyes, a podcast that looks at vintage Saturday morning cartoons through the eyes of people way older than the intended audience, but still captivated by the glorified toy adverts that we love so much. I'm Jason Thompson. I'm Stephen Alexander.
1: Hello. And how are you doing today, Steve? I'm doing very well, thank you. Yeah, but I, I, it's, been, it's been a week I think it's been about a week, maybe two weeks since we recorded the first episode. And uh, I I can't remember very much about what happened, unfortunately. Um, Is there any chance of a recap? Certainly.
0: Uh, So millions of years ago on the planet Cybertron, intelligent robots were having a long drawn out battle for reasons really undescribed, other than some of them are good and some of them are evil. What more do you need? Um, And in search of energy, they left the planet and crashed on Earth. And four million years later, they were revived by a volcanic eruption. And the evil Decepticons have gone out and tried to plunder Earth's resources to get the energy they need to return to Cybertron and apparently develop the ultimate weapon to conquer the universe. And the Autobots have been trying to stop them. And it has to be said, not having an awful lot of luck so far.
1: (laughs) Yes, they've they've been very heroic and they've been quite, you know, they've been quite kind and helpful, but uh, I don't think... They've been doing terribly well. And I think actually we left it at one of their biggest uh, clubs. Yes, indeed.
0: Optimus Prime uh, got a bit too close to a bomb that they'd planted themselves deliberately to blow up the Decepticons and ended up getting blown down a hill. And the last we saw, he was rolling over and over and over down down this mountainside with Bumblebee and Spike apparently trapped inside with the blast.
1: That's uh, that, that, I mean it looks it looks really painful uh, rolling downhill like that, or but also great fun. Yes, uh, you know. I don't
0: think we're supposed to think it's fun though. He does seem <laughs> to be rather badly injured when they get him at the bottom, um, but they uh, they they pull him upright back onto his wheels and Ratchet gives him a once-over and says he's probably okay, and can you transform? And in an incredibly painful struggle, Optimus Prime transforms, which gives the person who developed the transformation noise, which is iconic, an opportunity to play it over and over and over again, slightly slowed down to make it seem like it's really slow and painful.
1: Uh, Oh, yeah, but I, I... I, as a kid obviously loved that Transformers noise and would always go around the playground uh, playing transformers. Uh, I, yeah I think I think most of the games you you you'd run around the playground and then you'd uh, meet up with a mate and then you'd have a punch up and but before you before you do that you'd go <laughs> uh, and, and transform from your running around the playground mode to uh, getting in trouble because you're punching up your friend uh, mode. Um, I don't know how your, your Transformer games in the uh, Playground went. Anything like that?
0: Um, I don't think they got as far as having a punch-up with your mates, although that would be true to the cartoon. Uh, they did generally de- devolve into arguments over which Transformer you were and whether you could fly away and escape or whether you could outrun the other person or drive faster than them or whatever. So, yeah, there was all sorts of... Uh, like, like
1: many Playground games, usually ended up in an argument of some description. Very important. Arguments that can only be resolved by getting the toy box and getting the stats out and comparing stats to confirm who was actually right. Absolutely. Provided you had that little piece of red plastic that went over the tech specs that reveals the line properly. (laughs) Got to hold on to those bits of red plastic. I like the way that the uh, Transformers, uh, I mean, so Optimus Prime's rolled down the hill. He's clearly injured. all of the all of his Autobot companions just go up and start manhandling him back into position. Uh very carelessly, I thought. It's amazing he survived the uh being put into the recovery position. Never mind uh, never mind the actual roll down the hill. Um, Indeed. Indeed. Although there is a nice bit of animation in that
0: sequence when they do get him upright. Um the two things I like about it is first of all, they don't animate his truck and trailer as one solid object, they do roll at different rates so they're clearly separate and when they get him upright he bounces on his suspension which is a nice little touch in the animation I think it's just kind of oh, a yeah. little, 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 little extra bit on the animation that just gives it a little bit of extra I won't say realism because it's a cartoon about transforming robots there's only so much realism you can have in it in the first place but you know it's a nice little touch
1: yeah I, well it gives him a bit of heft and a bit of weight doesn't it it makes, makes yeah. him feel more convincing as a truck um, yes absolutely and then uh, and then they've got, rescue, they've got to rescue a couple. So they've blown up the Ruby mines of Burma uh, with with a couple of their pals inside. Who uh, it, it was it that was, it was trapped inside? I can't remember. Bumblebee and Spike. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, so uh, they. Oh, yeah. And Ironhide starts drilling to get them out. No,
0: no. I tell a lie. Oh, sorry. It was Bumblebee and Sparkplug.
1: Oh, OK. Oh, yes. Sparkplug went into the art mines because he used to
0: work them strangely. Yes. But yes, we can spark plug. and yeah, miraculously they were recovered completely unharmed within about thirty seconds. Um, and then Optimus Prime declares the decepticons are finished and immediately thereafter <laughs> there's a large explosion, and the decepticons fly out of a hole in the roof because they're all armed with heavily heavy energy weapons, and of course they can blow their way out of a hole in the ground. So
1: yeah, I with the episodes we've seen so far. Uh, spoilers, looking slightly ahead, it seems that uh, being trapped in a cave is really not enough to stop Transformers escaping, although other Transformers seem to think it is. Yes, Um, it's happened a couple of times that they get stuck in a cave and declared lost forever
0: and then, boom, oh no, we're out. That was easy. Yeah.
1: And here we have a new
0: character turning up as well. Um, As the Decepticons fly away, Ironhide takes off after them and Blue Streak who... Hitherto had never appeared, appears and declares that he'll go after Ironhide and get him.
1: Yeah, I, Blue Streak is, for me, the most vanilla Transformer. He is absolutely, you you're kind of baseline. There's nothing too He doesn't have any particularly exciting skills. He's not too weak. He's just right in the middle there as this kind of, just like if you had an average of all the Autobots, it would be Blue Streak. He, and. <laughs> He's, he's not got the strongest personality. I, I, I don't know. Do you, do you feel that there is sort of like Autobots that are overlooked, Autobots that are, that are perhaps less exciting?
0: Uh, I would say so. Yes, um, they, yeah, Blue Streak is a very forgettable Autobot. Yeah, he and it's a shame. Have any particular specific skills, as far as I can recall? Um, and I, to be
1: honest, I completely forget he's there half the time. So. <laughs> But he does have one claim to fame, which is there is a particularly awesome poster advert that was done very early on with Blue Streak fighting one of the Seekers in a big street scene. And they're giant size. I mean, they're like 20 times the size they should be. And there's skyscrapers either side of them. And uh, you just see Blue Streak and he's firing his gun and stuff. And he looks absolutely awesome. Um, And he never does anything again, which is a (laughs) bit of a shame. This is the artwork that went into some of the adverts on the back of the boxes
0: and in magazines and all sorts of things in, in the eight was absolutely stunning it really was um, I mean you could do a whole extra podcast episode and in, in itself about the artwork because it was awesome it really mm-hmm. was. Um, I used to have a, um, a breakfast tray which had which was made of metal but it had the Transformers artwork on
1: the top and I used to eat my dinner off it when I was a kid. Oh, fantastic. Okay. i have probably got i've probably had thousands of things like that which i've since forgotten um yes uh, all i'm thinking of now is i had the the glow in the dark autobot and decepticon badges um which uh, which genuinely glowed in the dark they were really good and they were sort of like little like stone kind of things i remember them being quite heavy um and I'm going to have to look this up now. Sorry, <laughs> <It's> completely. <laughs> <laughs> complete, I, I, after the episode, I will look this up I'll find out about the glow in the dark on Badgers because they are very exciting. Um, we also, yeah.
0: in this, uh, so going back to the episode, this this transform that's Transformers episode gives us Skywalk's teleporting ability. Yeah, which he can. Disappear and then reappear somewhere completely different, which is an absolutely, again, it's rather like Mirage's invisibility in that it's a fantastically useful skill, which is seriously underutilized considering what you could actually do with it. Especially as it turns out that he can't shoot for afterwards because several times about three missiles just glide straight past Ironhide and Blue Streak and <laughs> go nowhere near him at all. <laughs> oh,
1: so- uh, poor. Uh, yeah, because. Yeah, you should have just turned up right behind them, bang, bang, dead down, and yeah, but uh, no. Uh, well, it's just the rule of uh, Autobot surviving, isn't it? There's always some some reason they escape. Um, and another thing that doesn't kill uh, Transformers either is falling from great heights. Uh, evidently,
0: no. Although Ironhide is injured, and Ratchet does have to uh, to do some work on him, which for some reason he does outside in the desert rather than inside the Ark. But there we go. Um, yeah. And then we go to uh, Megatron and Starscream arguing again, which they've done every episode so far
1: with Starscream going, it's my turn to be the leader. Well, yes, but that is always the highlight. That's always my, that's what I watch it for, is Megatron and Starscream arguing. So, you know, <laughs> uh, the more of it, the better. I'd, I'd settle for a whole episode of that. Um, yeah. So what, what, what are they getting upset about this time?
0: I just... Generally, Starscream is just fed up with Megatron being the leader and wants to take over. He says it's his turn. Shoots Megatron, who produces a shield from his arm. Again, another skill which I don't think we ever see him do again. Um, And then, you know, if you're going to pick a fight with somebody, it's probably best not to pick a fight with someone who's got a whacking great cannon strapped to their arm as Megatron promptly shoots Starscream in the shoulder and gets him begging to be forgiven and all that. And then they decide they're going to carry on and continue stealing Earth's energy supplies for their own needs.
1: Mm. So Megatron definitely has the best gun because his gun actually hits people and injures them in the shoulder, Um, whereas most other people's guns seem to miss. But uh, I can't worry about that too much. It also has the best sound effect. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I will be keeping my ears open and try to remember if it's ever referred to in the cartoon as a fusion cannon. It is. It is. Oh, good. What? So that's all right. So, yeah. So, uh, Megatron and Starscream, I mean, do you think they're secretly in love?
0: I have to admit, I hadn't considered it from that angle. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: I've, I, I don't know. It seems like too much like a, a, a bad work relationship to me, like like the kind of thing you get in an office where people say, "I should be in charge of this. I could do better than these guys," um, and it's very relatable on those terms.
0: Yeah, I, I can I can see it in those in those terms definitely. But uh, generally speaking, if you pick a fight with a boss, they don't tend to shoot you with an arm-mounted fusion cannon. <laughs> At least, this know is, where
1: I've worked anyway. This is what's wrong with capitalism today. Um, <laughs> Jason have you ever in your life kept a diary?
0: I have made a couple of attempts when I was a teenager Mm. to keep a diary and they lasted approximately two weeks (laughs) and that was it Um, and then I just couldn't be bothered writing in them anymore so in terms of a long log of my activities no. Have Uh, you?
1: um, I did um I did some blogging for a while. I did some blogging while I was working overseas and I did some blogging before that. And again, as a teenager, I did uh, like, uh, I did a short, just a paragraph a day kind of diary. And I probably rated each day out of five. Um, (laughs) Yeah, why not? Uh, But but I've since lost those diaries, but I don't think anybody's diary is as insane as uh, Spike's rambling mental diary of just stuff he's making up. Um, so, because he says, uh, Optimus Prime, gee, Optimus Prime seems to really care, and he'd make a neat president. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, Spike. Uh, I I would like to hear more from Spike's diary. I'd like to just have pages and pages of him just going on and on about all kinds of rubbish that, it, that goes through his head. But, um, yeah, I'm... I'm very worried about Spike and plug, like, in all honesty. Um, yes, they're, they're, they're Spike's diary
0: is a, a narrative device which I don't think is used again after this little three-part episode. I can't recall seeing it again. But, of course, we could find that I'm completely wrong about that, so we foresee. Yeah. In fact, this might be the last appearance of Spike's mad diary. Um, yeah, indeed, it may well be. But uh, then we move on to the Autobots deciding to try a huge deception on the Decepticons.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's Hound who comes up uh, with this idea, isn't it?
0: Um, Indeed, yes. A giant hologram that will fool the Decepticons into coming to them on their terms. And in order to bait the Decepticons into it, they drop a really rather primitive-looking key, considering the technology that these guys have, and allow, in inverted commas, Ravage, to escape with the information that they've carelessly been talking about in front of him. <laughs> Ravage, yeah. captured in the previous episode, as... Uh, you may recall
1: i think this is a, this is an example of um something that leaders do so they absolutely i don't think that I, yeah so the guys mess up they let ravage escape and optimus prime comes in at the end and says perfect when he realizes ravage's got away and i think that's a leader taking credit and making it sound like his it was his plan all along when actually, yeah, it's just it's just a disaster, really. They shouldn't have let Ravage escape. <laughs> um, and the other thing I want to pick up here is, of course, Helm suggests holograms are a great way to get their own back on Decepticons, because his special skill happens to be doing holograms. I wonder if all the other guys are making suggestions.
0: I don't know, but I'd like to know which Autobot it was who made the suggestion of the oversized lab coats that they wear <laughs> in this holographic rocket fuel station, because they all turn up wearing lab coats for some bizarre reason, as if that's going to fool anybody.
1: So who who would have made, who, like, how would, how, how <laughs> who would have made these lab coats? Um, well, I don't think the fact that the lab coats
0: were made is quite as impressive as the fact that it turns out that the Decepticons appear to have made an entirely functional army of junk robots to attack them in the space of one night. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly yeah it is, it is a really cool bit of the episode though um, you know you think the hologram plan's going to work uh, but the Decepticons have double outsmarted them realized that it was obviously leading them to a trap they're just trickier than the Autobots aren't they
0: they are indeed and the Autobots didn't even think to actually send anyone to the real rocket base which is now being attacked by the Decepticons and Having all the fuel stolen.
1: So <laughs> Cape Carlson under attack from loads of planes, all turning up at once. Um very exciting. Um yeah, but they didn't I do did we even see much of this attack? I don't I think there's just like the planes turn up, they blast a bit, and then they've got all the fuel, haven't they? Pretty much, yeah. But then we hit a moment of decision, because
0: now the Decepticons have everything they need, and so the Autobots have no choice but to attack the Decepticon rocket ship. How they know where it is isn't exactly clear
1: at this point, but they do. Um. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but before that, we have uh, Prime asking for volunteers. That's he um, lines up all the soldiers in his army who have been fighting Decepticons for millions of years and asks them if anyone wants to volunteer to go and fight the Decepticons, which they all do all the time anyway. Um, and Spike and Sparkbug also step forward. And it's at times like these, I worry about Spike's mum or Sparkplug's wife. Um, does she get a say in this? Is she involved? Um, I'm assuming single parent family
0: mother mm-hmm. has either left or tragically died somewhere because you know Spike and Sparkplug were out on an oil rig when we first met them. Um, and later on. Um, Spike wants to go to Cybertron and Sparkplug says only if I can go with you, not let's ask your mum or anything <laughs> like that. So I'm assuming that Spike's mum is not in the picture for whatever reason. Oh, that's sad.
1: Uh, yeah. And it would be good to have a, a a single female on the cast at some point in this show. Um, yeah. Be well, so... careful what you wish for. <laughs> there will be one eventually. Um, there will be a couple eventually. So yeah, so, but this is great because this is like the big final battle of the three episode three-parter, um, and this is this is where they're really selling the toys at you. So you get to see loads of Autobots coming up and transforming, um, and getting the coolest transforms as well. Hmm. Because the Optimus Prime transform from this scene makes into the title sequence, doesn't it?
0: Uh, certainly the end credits, yes. Yeah. When he's driving towards us, and then he just turns into a robot running. I and mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, they do. They do some. There's some brilliant animation of the transformation sequences. Uh, in the lots, we, of guns, we, lots of lots of thumping each other with your fists because why do you need guns when you can just punch each other out or throw each other across the um? Spike scores a great shot with a rock which knocks one of Starscream's lasers off his arm, which is probably run over by one of the other
1: Autobots. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's 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 really cool. We get uh, I, I think with that one as well, I this is one of the things where. Starscream was about to shoot at Prime and Spike stopped him. So usually when Starscream shoots at Prime, it saves Prime from Megatron. So Spike has stopped Starscream saving Prime from Megatron. Uh, (laughs) Everyone should have just stayed at home.
0: Um. And we and get to see, all... is bizarrely concerned about the fact that one of his arm lasers got knocked off and doesn't seem to remember that he's got another one. <laughs> <laughs> I want that one back because
1: you've got another one here.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, well, i was going to show up with this arm. I'm rubbish <laughs> with my left
0: arm. I've got to... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't do anything. Um, we get to see all the tapes. They all come out um, again from Soundwave's uh, compacted chest. Um, Spike plugs total liability. Uh, and uh, and yeah, it's just a huge, huge punch up. Uh, one one of the, one of the best. I mean, I know we get three punch ups an episode, but um, <laughs> but, but but this was a bit bit of a cool one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Megatron's getting away, and
0: Prime demands sideswipes rocket pack and tries <laughs>
1: to go flying up
0: after the space cruiser, which the Decepticons have built in record time, uh, and he probably gets shot back down. Yeah, he's out of control and he crashes and he does a very dramatic roll into the desert sands and all that kind of thing. And then he just gets up and brushes everyone's help off. Bizarrely, he's less damaged, apparently, by a fall from stratospheric altitude onto rock than he was being slightly pushed off the side of a
1: cliff (laughs) and rolling down a hill. (laughs) So he's just he's just playing with us. I mean, he could survive anything. And it just, like, pretends to be injured to make the other Autobots feel good. That's, that's now, what now, I'm now, now,
0: now, Steve, you know full well that Optimus Prime is the one Autobot that we know from about 1986 onwards doesn't survive an awful lot, actually. In fact, dying <laughs> is pretty much his thing in later episodes and, and series and movies and all sorts. So, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, maybe it all just catches up with him. All these knocks and... Uh, <laughs> you know bits and 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 shrugging it off you know you've got to take care of your health Uh, and prime is not taking care of his health he's quite good at shouting one of the coolest iconic moments again um yeah yeah and uh sideswipes quite generous giving him his rocket pack uh well sideswipe wasn't using it so whatever um Or has not been observed using it. And also, half of them can fly. Oh, shut up, shut up. I don't care. Half of them fly, it's fine. Don't care. Don't care. The ability of the Autobots to fly is. uh, Yeah. Shall we say? (laughs) In this scene, they can't fly. Um, So that's it. So basically, the Autobots are stuffed. There's nobody who can save them now, is there? There's like, who have we seen in this episode who could possibly help save the Autobots? No one. Except for one person.
0: Mirage's fantastic invisibility actually proves extremely useful. When he appears on the Decepticon Bridge, shoots one bank of computers, which
1: apparently arses up
0: the entire spacecraft, and then jumps out with a parachute.
1: Uh, and again, it's another example of inadvertent saving, because um, so I think at this point Megatron was about to kill Starscream. Yes, they uh, had another
0: argument about who was going to be the
1: leader. <laughs> well you know i it is megatron starscream should really probably just knock it on the head at this point um you think. <laughs> yeah but well yeah you i know, gotta keep plugging away um yeah and i think uh the blast i think megatron accidentally shoots a console as well at that point so you know so he's kind of yeah it is getting a bit messy
0: it is but it does leave megatron in the classic uh, cartoon bad guy cliche when things go pear shaped of shouting
1: at his underlings,
0: do something. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. Oh well, well we can crash the ship, Megatron. Will that do? <laughs> Indeed. Crash it, yeah, the it into
0: the ocean. They crash it into the ocean. Everyone cheers and they go, hooray. And the Autobots are delighted and then say, right, we've got to go and fix our own ship and head back to Cybertron. Yeah. And this is where Spike wants to go to Cybertron and Sparkplug says he has to go too. And then we have a slightly bizarre thing at the end. Spike's diary, his final diary entry. <laughs> Because Optimus Prime stopped the Decepticons from stealing Earth's resources, the governments of the world agreed to give the Autobots the energy they needed to return to Cybertron. There's just one minor problem with that, which is the Autobots didn't actually manage to stop the Decepticons stealing anything at all. We see them destroy multiple, you know, billion dollar establishments. They get enough material and energy to launch their space cruiser, and any energy or whatever that's left is now at the bottom of the ocean somewhere in a crashed spaceship. So really, Optimus Prime hasn't helped or saved the Earth in any way, shape, or form at this point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor yeah. This, I think in Spike's diary, is not canon. It's... (laughs) I'm going to cross it out and say, "Mm, perhaps that's just going on in his head. Um, Maybe, maybe. Because, yeah, they didn't stop
0: them at all.
1: No, but Spike's been under a lot of stress. Um, So you can't blame him for making things up. Uh, He's uh, Firstly, his dad has made him work on an oil rig underage for God knows how long. Obviously lying about his age, so he can't trust his father figures. And then you've got um, basically giant robots turning up and shooting uh, at him repeatedly. Uh, He had a punch up with Rumble, um, giant robot man, which he somehow survived. uh, And he's been through all kinds of stuff. He nearly saw his dad die in an explosion. Um, So, yeah, so those those kind of scars, you know, they take time to heal. They, They do. They
0: do indeed. But as he says in his final entry, he sure is glad they don't have to worry about Megatron or the Decepticons ever again. (laughs) And if that were true, then we would just have to end this podcast here because the series would have finished after episode three and that would be it. But of course, the last thing we see is Megatron
1: emerging from the crashed spacecraft under the sea. So they have survived. We won't have to worry about Megatron until the next time we go to the toy store. Indeed
0: indeed yeah. back in the days when you could actually buy a Megatron in a toy store in the UK.
1: So yeah, so this, this, I think this is, uh, I think this is a really good roundup to, uh, to the, to the three episodes we've seen. Um, I, I, I you know, I enjoyed it when I was a kid. I enjoy watching it now, uh, which is also insane. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I, what's really struck me as well, is, especially doing a podcast on it, is the absolute frenetic pace and just the amount they cram into every single episode. Um, it's, 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 what, 22 minutes uh, an episode, roughly. Um, and we've had, you know, dozens of locations, about three fights an episode, um, all kinds of stuff going on. Um, and frequently stuff just like happens, it's like it like they set things up in a minute. Uh whereas most T V shows would take, you know, take a couple of minutes at least. So I find that really impressive. I mean have, have you have you enjoyed re- revisiting the first three? I have enjoyed revisiting the first
0: three, yes. Um as you say, there's a lot crammed into those three episodes. They're very they're full of pace and action. I mean, as as you would want in a a kid's action adventure cartoon. You don't want them sitting around for ages talking about what's going on. You want to see the transforming robots getting into fights with each other. Um, But it has been great fun, very nostalgic because I remember watching it many times when I was a kid. Um, So I was delighted when the series came out on DVD and I immediately snapped it up. Um, But yes, there is a lot in there. We introduced about 30 new characters (laughs) I mean they're supposed to be toy commercials, obviously, but they really do cram in the characters. Oh yeah. Well,
1: this is this is one thing that's, that's I mean, you kinda of get spike and spark plug, but what you what you would look for if if you were doing this I don't know, if if you were doing this sort of like in a traditional way, what you'd look for is like a through character to carry you across the three episodes. You look for like one main character arc. And that guy that guy, it would be a guy in a in something like this. That guy would kind of like introduce you to everyone else and you'd see their reactions and then at the end they'd save the day because that would there's no central character um even optimus prime is he he he, i mean he's obviously the leader so he gets a lot of attention he's the captain of the ship but is he really the? he's not really even even he's not the central character really
0: no, I don't think, as you say, I don't think in the Transformers series there is a central character as such. We do, um, we switch to, we switch viewpoints from different characters. We, you know, we don't meet Spike and Sparkplug until the very end of episode one. Um, yeah. You know, yeah they're, they're, you know, we don't, we don't focus on a single Autobot, really.
1: Yeah, because I, I remember with, uh, with a certain Transformers movie I wa- once watched, um it, it focused on the human characters and made them the centre of the action, and um, that's that's one way you can lead through it. But I kind of missed just having loads of robots introduced, doing one <laughs> scene, uh, getting blown up. Um, but it really works. It doesn't. It doesn't seem to matter that there's no central character because it just it it propels along so quickly. It doesn't even matter that the plot is 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 is, is absolutely rotten with holes. <laughs> um, I, because there's just so much energy to it,
0: one um, it's is really going to be jolly. opened up by the next episode. In fact, but, uh, <laughs> but we'll come to <laughs> that. But yeah, I think I think what it lacks in plot and characterization it makes up for in in pace and energy. Yeah, and you know, it, it, at the end of the day. As I said, you don't want to go too much into, you know, criticizing the plot or the characterization or whatever, because at the end of the day, it's a kid's cartoon show and it's a toy commercial. That's basically what this series yeah. was created for. Um, but
1: it's one of the best examples. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I But the, but that's what's interesting, because kids are very um, perceptive and kids do pick up on these things. You know, it doesn't have to be in depth, but it, do, it does need to be some characterization. Yes. Um, and I think this show gives us that to an extent it makes it like we get like two scenes with Hound or three scenes with um, Ratchet and already you've got favourites, haven't you? you? You've got ones who you particularly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, for some people that might be Mirage. I don't know. Not me. Um... <laughs> no, I mean, he Most saves people... the
0: day and that's great. But as a character, no, he's not one of my favourite either. Yeah. Um... Yeah. yeah, I mean they do make a good they do make a good set of characters out of them. With you know, Optimus Prime is you you can see I think even in these three first episodes you can see why Optimus Prime became the Transformer. You know, yeah, because the the characterisation is is great. He's a he's a good leader, I think, compassionate with his people. As Spike says, he does care about the people, but he is also not afraid to take the big decisions when they need taking. So. Yeah, we're going to have to go and attack them. It's
1: dangerous. Off we go. Not not afraid of nicking his mate's backpack or jetpack if he needs it. Um, Absolutely not. No, or, or anything anything at all. Um, I think, yeah, because there's a bit at the end of the second episode where he sent Wheeljack. Uh, no, he sent uh, Bumblebee and Sparkplug into the mine with Wheeljack's bomb. And I can just see him fretting and realising what a terrible idea this was and going, oh, maybe we should send in all the other Autobots as well. Um, but, yeah, oh, he, he pays the price. He sends
0: He's... in roller, that tiny little thing who goes bleep, bleep, goes in, comes back out, and we never see him again. Yes. Um, just, but just a reminder that Optimus Prime has... Accessories. In fact, also from the toy mode as well, where you see him open his trailer and have the gun emplacement, which was also on his uh, on his toy mode as well, briefly. Megatron yeah. passed it to
1: smithereens, apparently. So Well, no, maybe that's why we never see it again. Um, it does say, and this this really this really bugs me, particularly in this episode, and I can feel the pain, that um any part of Prime, roller, the trailer, or Prime, if any part is injured, then the whole feels pain. That's his like big weakness, um, but <laughs> evidently not because they're all that, fine. Yeah,
0: a lot of it, A lot of the uh, the tech specs and character descriptions that were put in the box art and the toys didn't make it into the TV show, really. Yeah,
1: um, that doesn't stop me worrying about it though. Poor Roller, if yeah. he gets damaged, Prime's going to be revealed. But ba- uh, anyway, yeah, that's just that's just me. But I think this is one of the
0: reasons why Transformers has endured so much is that there is just, there are so many things in it. It's not just a little t- set of toys. You've got the books, you've got the art, you've got the box art, you've got the character descriptions that they came up with for each one. You've got the tech specs on the box. You've got the, um, you've got the cartoon, you've got the toys, you've got all sorts of things going on with the Transformers. It's uh, it's a very intricate very well created um bit of world building going on with the transformers as a toy line in general i think which is why i think it's it's survived as well as it has yeah yeah put, putting that extra effort in really paid off um, it did. it did and i think that's why it overtook things like the gobots <laughs> we'll talk yeah. about it a a
1: later, okay. da- a later date, no doubt. You, you keep bringing up the go-bots, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> you keep threatening GoBots to me. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm happy about that. So um, did, was there any, were, were, there, were there any standouts in more uh, uh, the Transformers Part 3? Any standout Transformers who you think were, are particularly deserving of a Man of the Match award, which I'm well, I the, man of the
0: Match. I think the Man of the Match for this episode has got to be Mirage because he's the one who uses his abilities to actually deal a crushing blow to the Decepticons whereas none of the others have really succeeded in doing that. Hound's hologram didn't deceive them. Yep. <laughs> it's, uh... But Mirage used his invisibility to infiltrate the enemy ship
1: and total it before escaping unharmed. Maybe that should have been Prime's, pri- Prime's plan all along, is distract them to get Mirage on board. Um, well, there we go. So anyways, that was a, that was a great three-part adventure. Um, and uh, yeah, that about wraps up for the Transformers. Uh, did anything else happen to them ever?
0: Um, no, that's it, that's it. (laughs) The end of the Transformers. Fortunately fortunately for us, and for the world in general, um, the Transformers continued beyond this little three-part series into the next episode, which was titled, and finally we actually have an unambiguous title on
1: the screen now, Transport to Oblivion. That's a real shame because if there's one thing I love, it's arguing about what an episode is called, uh, and putting the title on screen is just—it's so 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 disappointing to me. I, I wish, you know, maybe it could have like the fans know it as Transport to Oblivion, but we know it as the Space Bridge episode. So
0: without further ado let's move on to the next episode transport to oblivion as we said we have no argument about what this one is called because the title is right there in big block capitals on the screen with a nice little music cue uh, behind it the music that they do in the background of these episodes there's, a, there's there's only a few musical notes that go along with it but you know they're they're quite distinctive and quite catchy i think so
1: but it, it is it is good music and it's like it's music that's clearly had a lot of effort put into it as well um so it's i don't know i don't know i mean it is very exciting cartoony kind of music and there's probably factories turning this stuff out but to me it always seems really distinctive uh maybe it's just because they play the same bits hundreds and hundreds of times i don't know
0: yeah i mean that's a you know obvious cost saving measure it's a bit like 60s star trek it's got about six music cues and they just use them over and over again for different parts of the Depending on what's going on on the screen, there's you know the the dramatic reveal, there's the battle sequence, there's the running away sequence, and there's the the, the slow the slow version of the theme
1: tune that's played when on the quieter moments. Um, <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't have much call to use the the uh, quieter moment. I don't think there's very very few quiet. Although they do sneak them in, don't they? They usually last a couple of seconds, but uh...
0: they do they do sneak a few in here and there. So. So at the end of the last episode, the Decepticons had crashed at the bottom of the sea and the Autobots were going to leave, which would have been a huge problem because we discovered the Decepticons survived. So when we get to the Earth in this episode, are we on Earth with no Autobots? Are the Decepticons going to rampage unopposed across the land? No, because apparently the Autobots are still there, and they've been there for
1: months. Yeah, there's there, there's lots of questions, lots of things that could have happened uh, between this episode and the last episode, but clearly the Autobots have uh, have not been doing very much. Um, we start off with a cliff jumper shooting at a rock that looks like Starscream. Indeed. Um, which so, apparently they've never noticed for the months that they've been there. <laughs> yes, this, this peculiar scream shaped rock. It does make me wonder if uh, cliff jumpers, uh, like all the spots, have been going around shooting at, like, planes and dogs and cameras and <laughs> guns or or anything that looks like a, a Transformer in an alt mode. Um, in fact, it could have just been a whole, you know, just like, ah, it's a Megatron, uh, kind of it couple of well months.
0: Have been but the autobots haven't gone anywhere despite getting all the energy they needed and i suspect the reason for that is that they discovered the rather difficult obstacle that their spacecraft is jammed into the side of a volcano and therefore taking off was rather difficult <laughs> take the handbrake off ratchet take the handbrake <laughs> still not moving but optimus prime is cautious he doesn't he's not convinced the decepticons have been vanquished forever even though everyone else seems to be quite uh, cheerfully assuming that they've all gone downer what a downer come on optimus Downer indeed but it turns out the decepticons are still at the bottom of the sea and not only have they got their crashed space cruiser they seem to have built an entire city around it as well Mm.
1: i i it is very cool it's a cool base i don't think it's as cool as the ark what do you think do you prefer the decepticons undersea base or the autobots ark
0: I think the arc sticking out the side of the volcano is much cooler than Decepticons auto, uh, Decepticon base. Um,
1: yeah. The Decepticon
0: base just seems to be enormous for no readily apparent reason. They yeah, see but, loads of buildings around, the, around this thing. And it's not really clear why they've wasted their time doing all that when they've got a huge space cruiser, which is surely big enough for all their, all their needs. And at this point, there's, what, what seven of them and some tapes. Something along those lines, yes. They don't have a huge army. Um, no. But there we go. But then we cut to space. And we go across space to Cybertron, which four million years ago was apparently so low on energy that Optimus Prime had to s- head out into space to find alternative sources of energy. And Megatron had to follow him to find alternative sources of energy. And there's Shockwave shooting at nothing and then complaining that he's losing power. So Cybertron definition of low on energy appears to be, we only going to last another 400, 4 million years.
1: Yes. If shockwave keeps firing continuously for 4 million years. Um, shockwave. Then, well, yeah. Shockwave guardian of Cybertron is doing a
0: very good job, isn't he? He is. Yes. When he said in the first episode, Cybertron will remain as you leave it. This is probably not what Megatron had in mind. Um, but Shockwave, bless his little cotton socks, ever the optimist, decides he's going to try and call Megatron again. Hey. Years of not getting an answer, and he's still trying.
1: That's dedication, isn't it? Um, that is dedication. Yeah, I, I think Megatron. Megatron's as surprised as anyone um, so to find Shockers on the blower. Um, just phoning him up in his undersea base. I mean, like, how did he get my number? I don't know. Indeed. Um, yeah, but as I... it
0: happens, he's been working on some kind of intergalactic transport system that will allow them to zap Energon cubes back to Cybertron.
1: Well, that's actually four million years. That's four million years well spent, isn't it? Because, um, yeah, who knows how far Cybertron is from Earth? Indeed. I think Indeed. I think Megatron was very pleased to hear from his space wife. Uh, I think he probably
0: was, yes. Probably Cybertron. missing Shockwave, because Shockwave seems to be Unlike the comic book persona of Shockwave, Shockwave in the Transformers cartoon series appears to be a very loyal servant to Megatron. Yes,
1: and not a rival leader at all. Not a rival leader at all, absolutely. So there we go. So, yeah, so so the the Decepticons are back in action. They've got a plan. They have
0: indeed got a plan, and they attack a solar power station, which for some reason has generators in it, which I'm not quite (laughs) sure why they're, they're missing the
1: point of a solar power station there, but never mind. Uh, oh, oh uh, yeah, no, it's all—it's all, it's all part of the green conspiracy, Jason. There's no <laughs> real solar power; doesn't work. You have to have generators inside a solar plant. Uh, no, that's absolute rot. I don't know. <laughs> but We have a
0: demonstration of the robots in disguise because Soundwave is there as a little Walkman, and no one remembers <laughs> bringing him in, and then he suddenly turns into a giant robot and unleashes laser beak.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's—he's—he's he's, he's suddenly hiding there, playing music at top volume, so no one spots him. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, he's, he's out, and, and they're attacking... Uh, well, yeah, actually, I'm very s- pleased to see solar power uh, represented, because we've had um, hydroelectric, we've had uh, rocket fuel, and now I've got solar power, so it's, it's pretty much all the main... Um, oh, and, and magic crystal rubies. Uh, all the main energy sources represented. They conspicuously have not gone digging for coal at this point. Gone <laughs> the, uh... Well,
0: they're not monsters. <laughs> <laughs> so the Decepticons have shut down the power station, which apparently then causes a blackout in a city several miles away. And Optimus Prime asks Teletran to scour the local power stations and immediately finds that Megatron is still there. And Megatron lives! Megatron!
1: Yeah. One of the side effects of this... Um... Uh, blackout is that uh, it stops all the traffic moving, which doesn't make sense until you think about it. Then it does make sense because the traffic lights won't be working. So that's fine. And America relies on its traffic lights. Um, and uh, we see Jazz and Spike driving and they come to the back end of the queue. And I was really disappointed by this scene, watching it again, because my... the fantasy thing with Transformers is that you're driving along, you get to the end of a queue of traffic and your car turns into a robot and stomps all the other cars and goes to the front of the queue. And what a shot. I just wanted to see that happen.
0: I don't think the Autobots are going to do that, Steve, because all those cars have people in them. You can't just go
1: stomping over all the other drivers. <laughs> Stomp around them. It's fine. <laughs> and who hasn't been frustrated in a traffic jam and thought, wouldn't it just be great if I could just transform and uh, fly or... Or escape anyway yeah yeah prime assembles the useless brigade it's i think it's uh, six of the worst six six of the well i mean like you've got Ironhide. he's pretty good ratchet is a doctor not fighter prowl thumbs up he's a useful lad and then you're left with gears cliff jumper and bumblebee um yeah so why is he so short on staff
0: well, all the others are out on patrol apparently. Although it's never really explained what the patrolling, what they're patrolling, or why, um, yeah. and why you can't just call them up and go, "Whatever you're patrolling, guys, doesn't matter," because we found the Decepticons. You probably <laughs> head over our way. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, 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 and even Prime sounds disappointed uh, with with these guys. So, oh, everyone else is out on patrol. Never mind. Let's try anyway. Yes, and they. They rush in
0: to intercept and there's a big punch up in a power station. So we've got you know, less than 10 minutes into the episode and we've got the Autobots and the Decepticons having a punch up, which is fabulous. <laughs> Literally, in fact, um, one of them, I think it's, it's either Gears or Cliffjumper, I think, rushes in and punches, apparently punches Megatron in the groin.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, because uh, Cliffjumper's already tried to take care of Megatron with his massive gun, which he missed. Um, but he scores a direct hit this time, doesn't he?
0: And then Megatron
1: just swipes him across the room. <laughs> well, you may have noticed my groin is made out of steel, like the rest of me. So there's really no <laughs> point punching me there, you idiot.
0: But Once again, we have an Autobot Decepticon punch-up, which ends with the Decepticons running away with their Energon cubes. So the Autobot's track record of stopping the Decepticons from destroying human facilities and stealing all the energy remains
1: utter shit at this, <laughs> this point, point. It's, it's very poor i think uh i it's worth noting at this point starscream immediately says retreat he sounds the retreat as soon as the Autobots arrive megatron tells him to stay note that for later that's very important um so yeah, actually that, that's weird isn't it because like having having a punch up at a power facility such as sherman dam is like a key iconic thing that transformers do all the time um and yeah, I've never realised how badly the Autobots tend to do at them. The Decepticons just take the Energon and leave. And I occasionally they blast a couple of cubes, but, but that's about it, isn't it?
0: That is, generally speaking, it. Usually the Decepticons retreat with what they came for.
1: Oh, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd gets shoulder blasted as well. He does, yes. Leaping
0: dramatically in front of Optimus Prime, Megatron... Turns into a gun that Soundwave uses to shoot Prime, which seems like an unnecessary extra step given that Megatron has the cannon on his arm. Why doesn't Megatron just shoot him himself?
1: <laughs> I, I, I've, I've always thought that the gun mode is more powerful than the gun on his arm, despite the gun on his arm being bigger. Something to do with mass and energy and how size to. I uh, know, I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> But yes, it's it's somehow more powerful. And, uh, you know, prop prime is like, oh, Ironhide, it could have been my shoulder. blasted. Thank you for taking that hit for me.
0: And because this is a cartoon and because we can't have the bad guys actually winning, rather than shooting again, Megatron transforms and orders them to retreat.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, yes, he's, he, he's he's very good at that. That's, that's one of his main duties as a Sefticon leader is to sound the retreat.
0: Absolutely. Let, let's yeah. just mildly inconvenience the enemy and run away from them. Let's do that.
1: <laughs> well, Ironhide's <laughs> injured, you know. Yes. He's, he to be. Uh, he needs to have bits, R and R'd, removed and rebuilt. Says Ratchet. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Ratchet gets him in, and you know, he gets him in for repairs. Uh, am I wrong? But it looks to me like Sparkplug like offers to blowtorch Ironhide's <laughs> That rear assembly needs some work. Yes. <laughs> uh, even though he's been shot in the shoulder. Yes. So anyway, okay. And Ratchet it's turns off. on. Yes. <laughs> and then Ratchet turns off Ironhide's voice. So um <laughs> poor Ironhide. It's just not his day, is it? <laughs> just when really he thought things couldn't get any worse, Sparkplug turns up with a blowtorch. <laughs> anyway, I. What happens next? Uh, Bumblebee and Spike are sent to
0: reconnoiter the area and look for the Decepticons in a huge expanse of desert, which they say is, you know, this is pointless. We, how are we going to spy on the Decepticons if we can't even find them? And Spike says, let's go down in that riverbed. At least it'll be shaded. And it just happens to be exactly where the Decepticons are. And once again, in record time, they've built an enormous piece of equipment with the
1: space bridge and they're trying to test it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, it does make your head hurt to think about it, doesn't it? Um, I, I don't know if I want to... I, I, I think at some point we'll come across one of these plot conniptions that, that I want to explore in detail and try to work out how it happened. Not this one. This, this one I'm just going to skip.
0: No, no. We, we just have to skip that the Decepticons have managed to build a huge facility with apparently nobody noticing what they've been doing because it's in a,
1: in a dry riverbed. So who? no one saw them. Hey. <laughs> It is a really cool facility, though the space bridge is fantastic. It's one of the iconic things in the series, isn't it?
0: Uh, it does it does crop up repeatedly throughout the series and in other versions of Transformers
1: over the years. Yes, the idea of a space bridge. Um, yeah. But I love the so so you get the little roller coaster car for this one I, again. The roller coaster car, I think they, they ditch. But the roller coaster car goes on along this little track into the space bridge, and then you get all the flashing lights. And all the rocks getting sucked up, and uh, and, and the car going with it, and uh, the sort of flower receptor on Cybertron. I think it's just it's such a great bit of design. It's so cool when it could have just been like a teleport. Um, yes, and yeah, it's one I mean, of them, they have put some effort yeah.
0: into it and made it a big big piece of tech which doesn't immediately work either. They've gone to this whole, you know. Quite often in these things, you'll get, I've come up with this great new invention and it always works first time. Yeah. (laughs) And this one doesn't.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's a a couple of shots of Shockwave standing up there looking disappointed, saying, no, nothing's turned up. (laughs) Try again. Try again, lads. Try again. But they've
0: only got 11 minutes. Yes. Maximum Uh, 11 minutes that the Space Bridge will be operational
1: for, for some bizarre reason. Yeah, Um, there could be a million reasons for it. They're probably not very interesting, so we'll just let that one slide. We'll let that one slide. I I Um, do like that they have put a bit of thought, like all the rocks getting sucked up shows they have put a little bit of thought into the science of it, that it wouldn't just be flat on the ground. It would actually suck up some of the ground because of the, the radius of the... Uh, okay, no, I'm going to stop there. They put some thought into it. That's all I'm going to say.
0: They put some thought into the idea that a space bridge that goes apparently intergalactic distances is going to be a pretty energetic thing. It's going to <laughs> cause a lot of collateral damage. It's not just going to be a magic
1: door. Hmm. I've heard this said that... Because um, where I, where, I read a lot of sci-fi, but I've heard it said that any alien race that can cross the distance between the stars is going to be so technologically far ahead of us and would use so much energy in doing that, that that anything humanity do would just, would just like, it it would be nothing. We would be nothing to them, you know, that they they would be so far ahead of us. Um, And they certainly wouldn't come down to earth and transform as hard as cars, but that's no fun.
0: They might be for all, you know, (laughs) they could be among us now. That would be cool. Yeah, we'd love that. Um, so cool. then Bumblebee and Spike have discovered the Decepticons and so they're going to report back. And so what does Bumblebee do in his great wisdom? He stands up on the edge where they can see him and promptly falls back into the
1: riverbed with Spike in him. Jason, you can drive, can't you? Yes. Uh, did you practice hill starts? Yes. Do you, have you had a good track record with hill starts or have you ever ever had uh, had problems with it?
0: Uh, well, I did have terrible trouble with hill starts. I failed a couple of driving tests on hill starts. However, my car didn't have the ability to stand up and walk away from the edge of the hill before becoming a car and driving off on level ground.
1: Uh, see, Bumblebee <laughs> doesn't, probably doesn't, probably doesn't know where his handbrake is, does he? <laughs> Apparently not, no. <laughs> Maybe Spike took it off. I don't know. Um...
0: So they promptly get captured... Because Megatron's decided that they need a pilot to send the space thing over the space bridge, and they magic up another vehicle from somewhere—God knows where they're keeping all these things—and <laughs> uh, and they stick Bumblebee and Spike in. But they get the timing wrong, and the space bridge opens before the vehicle goes in. And then Shockwave said they can't open it for another three thousand astro seconds, which could literally be any length of time, couldn't it? Well, Megatron's response suggests it's a long time, but what an astrosecond is, who knows? Especially as they were using standard minutes earlier, but there we
1: go. Uh, so if a sec- if, if an astrosecond is actually one second, uh, oh God, can you tell me off the top of your head how many minutes that is? <laughs> no, <laughs> I can't either. 50. 50, well done, 50 minutes. Oh my God, that's longer than the episode. They'll never get it open again. Indeed. So then uh, Spike
0: says, gosh, I wish our luck would change. And Bumblebee goes, aha, and changed into a car to break through the glass because apparently he couldn't do that in robot mode and drives off but does not stop to let Spike in before carrying on. So Spike trips over and gets captured again.
1: Run faster,
0: Spike. Keep (laughs) up. You can do it. Bumblebee runs away, (laughs) finds a cave, climbs out the top of a cave and promptly gets captured again.
1: Although I did, I really liked the jets versus Bumblebee battle. I thought that was, that was like, there's some nice animation there where the seekers were chasing him through the canyons. Um, I thought that, yep. that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um,
0: the, the animation on these is consistently, well, I wouldn't say consistently good because there's there's numerous errors and things that creep into it. And if you've got several hours, you can read all the animation errors on TF wiki. It's go on and on and on and on and on. Um, but in terms of what they try to achieve, they generally do achieve it and do it very well. They don't just rely on stock footage of planes flying or vehicles transforming or things like that. They do generally do unique animations for most of the episodes.
1: Yeah, so. and it's it's spectacular. That's what it is. It's never. Yes. It, it it might have flaws and might have errors, but it's usually spe- pretty damn spectacular. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So Megatron has a a very disturbing appendage uh, which comes out of the middle of his chest. Um, What does this appendage do, Jason? This appendage
0: rewrites a bank of Bumblebee's memories and allows him to plant false information as to where the space bridge is located so that when Bumblebee goes back to the Autobots, he leads them into a trap.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, and and he does that thing, as always, when your memory's been replaced, of speaking in a low sort of rope... I was about to say robotic voice, but um, that's how they <laughs> speak all the time, isn't it? But a monotonous voice, anyway. The yes, they located... very
0: clearly speak in an unusual manner, which none of the others pick up on at all, of course, because if they did, it'd be a very short episode.
1: Um, I, it's, it's still actually quite a short episode. <laughs> it is anyway. quite a short episode. But yeah. then,
0: so then he leads them to a cave. Yep. We're back into the sealing people in a
1: cave problem again (laughs) and we have autobots and decepticons having a punch-up in a cave there are a couple of crazy things in this punch-up i noticed um so the first is um jazz bats a null ray blast back to starscream uh using a bit bit of 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 rock
0: yes Yes. (laughs) it just swings it like a baseball bat and somehow a lump of rock
1: bats an energy blast (laughs) back towards the uh Cool, yeah. I, I, they're varying it a bit. We've got this uh, this net that eats laser beak that looks like Pac Man. Sort of goes along and gobbles him up.
0: Yeah, that's uh,
1: bizarre. And you have
0: Megatron getting a buzzsaw in his wrist, which he can fling a circular saw blade across the room.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, Prime gets to save Ironhide as well, pushing him out of the way of the blast. Although in the process, his foot gets caught in a rock somehow.
0: Yes, well. What can you say? It it just happened. It just, it got stuck. Tricky things. Tricky things, rocks. Absolutely. They apparently move because there was no sign of that rock. And suddenly he's got his foot stuck
1: somehow. Uh, Poor old Optimus Prime. Uh, And then Megatron gets his, his, is another cool appendage. The buzzsaw arm.
0: Yes. Flinging a buzzsaw blade across the room. Naturally, it doesn't actually hit or injure any of the other Transformers, despite there being quite a few of them in that cave system.
1: (laughs) could be Um, extraordinarily messy it does i mean it does allow optimus prime to escape so you know it's it's kind of a more of a kind gesture yeah he wants to fight him on a level playing field perhaps um and this is the point where uh megatron says oh let's retreat now and starscream says starscream retreat never um yes which contradicts what he did earlier in the episode so there we go that's a good bit of characterization for my favorite transformer
0: There's a couple of odd little bits about Starscream, actually, as well. And I can't remember if this is in the cave system or it was earlier on, but Starscream at one point said to Bumblebee, say your prayers, Autobot. So Transformers pray and have a concept of a god, do they? Oh, okay. Or have they just picked up these... Have they been watching human television programs on the months that they've been
1: under the sea and picked up these colloquialisms? (laughs) Yeah, what would Transformers pray to? I don't know. Probably, probably Unicron. Um, if anything, or
0: Primus, Primus, (laughs) yeah. Um, he doesn't grow up in the cartoon series, so that's a whole different discussion.
1: Oh, good, thank god you remembered. (laughs) (laughs) There's Primus in it. Oh,
0: damn, I can't remember. Uh, Primus was uh, Primus was an invention of the I believe even the UK Transformers comics.
1: That's right, yes, yes. At the heart of Cybertron, Cybertron Mm -hmm. is itself a giant. Anyway, let's uh, get back on track before we go too far. Let's get
0: back on track. The Decepticons
1: do eventually retreat and
0: they seal the Autobots in the cave because there is nothing more final than being sealed in a cave, as we know. While they're sealed in the cave, they notice that Bumblebee is injured and Ratchet realises that some of his memory has been altered, so they fix Bumblebee. Yay, good old Bumblebee. He's back with us and they blast their way out of the cave. Now, the reason the Decepticons retreated is because Shockwave frantically called Megatron to tell him the space bridge is about to
1: be activated <laughs> and he had to get back. Well, it's my space wife on the phone. I've got to go. it's <laughs> uh, a, a really cool bit where uh, Spike is he's imprisoned in a sort of uh, laser prison. And uh, Soundwave comes. Uh, I, it's a great little exchange. Spike says, "Ah, you've, you've given up. I'm free to go, right? And Soundwave turns up and says, free to go to Cybertron. In another
0: nice little bit of animation as well, they do the shot of Soundwave with the sun behind him, and that looks rather spectacular.
1: Yeah, it's a gorgeous little shot. And again, no reason to make that a nice shot. It's not a particularly iconic moment, but it's just hmm. it just adds something, I think. You know, the, the, the effort is being made. We make this point, but it's true. So
0: Spike is once again stuck in the vehicle to go to Cybertron on the space bridge. And then the Autobots turn up, and there's another fight. Yeah, the third battle of the episode. Wow, third battle of the episode, and um, Bumblebee rescues Spike by driving alongside the vehicle and allowing Spike to jump onto his bonnet, rather than you know
1: actually getting him out or anything. Yeah, well, it's a good thing he did because Ironhide was about to kill Spike by blowing up the car. So, uh, so props to uh, Bumblebee for saving Spike for a change. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, uh, so the Autobots are actually they're kind of winning the fight a bit.
0: Aren't they? They are actually kind of winning the fight and the vehicle is knocked off the tracks and Megatron rushes to get the Energon cubes to take them through the space bridge to Cybertron and the space bridge activates and Megatron is sucked up into space <laughs> after doing a little spin thing around looking like he's been caught in a spin dryer. But
1: uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, it's very much got a, a fairground ride kind of feel to it, hasn't it? It's like he's on the Wurlitzer. Indeed. Uh, really Really, George, cool.
0: who never retreats, never, never goes, <laughs> Megatron's dead, retreat, I'm the leader.
1: <laughs> yes, he's the leader, he's the leader, also the leader of himself. Um, one of those rare points where I actually spot an animation glitch, and there's two star screams for a brief moment. Um, <laughs>
0: they, do, they do quite often get the coloring on the Seekers wrong, especially in the background, so you end oh, up yeah, with yeah. two star screams or three thundercrackers or. Skywarp in a scene when Skywarp is seen somewhere else. Uh, yeah, they do. They do quite often mess that up as the animation error.
1: Yeah, and again, if you if you've got your mates, if you're playing Transformers with your mates and you all brought your toys around, then there's a good chance you could end up with three Thundercrackers or two Star Screams knocking about. Um, Indeed, so. I had no
0: Thundercrackers and no
1: Star Scream. Ah, no,
0: actually, I had, I well, well, actually, my first Transformer was was a pre-Transformer Transformer. Okay, so it was the. Um, so as most of the people listening here are no doubt aware, the Transformers wasn't an original toy line. They took a bunch of other transforming robot toys from mainly from Japanese manufacturers um, and co-opted them into their own little toy line. And one of the ranges was called Diaclone, and they had various vehicles with little places where you could put tiny little people that would sit. And the fir- one of the first ones was an F-15 fighter, which was became Starscream. But I had the Diaclone version of Starscream. So it was almost the same, but it didn't have any Decepticon logos.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that they were substantially released in the UK. I thought they were sort of like uh, China and America exclusives. But we, we did have some, didn't we, then?
0: We had a few, evidently, because I say I had I had a Starscream that was not a Starscream.
1: Ah, well, yes. Well, it might be, I, I, I don't know, there, there were some that turned up at various markets and things that were imported mysteriously. Mm. Uh, not available in the mainstream shops. So maybe, it was, maybe it was from there. Uh, if you can't Could remember,
0: be. I don't know. I was only about five or six at the time, so exactly.
1: you don't know where they come from. They just turn up. It's great. It's a transforming toy. I'm happy. <laughs> oh, I <it's> think <coughs> the happiest day of Bumblebee's life. Uh, Megatron's lost forever. Hooray! Hooray.
0: Uh, yeah, because like- you know I'm sure they said that last episode, but
1: you know, <laughs> this time they must be right. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we get the final code uh, Megatron has arrived on Cybertron. And he just, like, oh, shockwave, darling, I missed you. Indeed. And then he declares he
0: shall be avenged. And his eyes glow.
1: <laughs> I love it when his eyes glow. That's so, so sexy. Yeah! Cool, right? Another great episode, um, and I think this was a great episode actually as well.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was the same. Lots of lots of fighting between the Autobots and the Decepticons, but this time at least the Autobots properly win.
1: Yes, they actually win a battle.
0: Yes, though again, a human facility has been trashed and lots of energy stolen. So.
1: Yeah, it, it it did bug me as a kid uh, when the when the Autobots seem to be losing or when they they, they seem to lose a lot. I always thought that the Autobots should be the winners. That they should beat the Decepticons every time, and they kind of do every episode. But at the same time, they're not actually that convincing victories.
0: No, quite often it's just sheer luck or. Yeah, or, or even in some cases, the Decepticons just randomly retreat for no apparent reason because the end of the episode has come and that's it. We can't
1: actually have the Decepticons winning, so they'll just uh, they'll run away. We haven't actually had that yet, but I'll be looking out for the point at which Megatron looks at his watch and says, Decepticons, retreat! One minute left!
0: <laughs> but earlier on in this episode, Starscream, when he was doing a countdown, did look at his wrist as if he was wearing a watch, which is rather odd. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he hasn't got anything on his the only thing he's got down there is null ray so um yes just checking it's still there i remember the i remember the toys of the seeker jets for the
0: the thing because transformers weren't just transforming machines they had so many accessories and starscream's hands were one of them (laughs) and many a time i would start to play with my toys that were all in a big box and spend ages hunting out the various bits of him so that i could put him together properly because his heart his hand had fallen off when he was in rope in vehicle mode, there was nowhere to put his hands.
1: Yes. They they sit at the bottom of the toy box, and and you know, um, I, I'm sure any collector will be aware that Starscream hands are probably the first thing to go missing.
0: Yeah. Or that or yeah. the nose cone wheel, the undercarriage,
1: because oh, that was detachable as well.
0: And yes. was, but I used to tuck that into the cockpit oh, because perfect. it was based on a diaclone toy with a person inside it, there was a seat because the cockpit opened, so you could just drop it in there. Oh perfect. Ah oh. So, yeah, so at least you can hold on to that one. Um, yes, indeed. Right, so, Steve, who do you think was the man of the match for this episode?
1: <laughs> well, I can rule out quite a lot of people early on. Uh, Ironhide, and... Ratchet, Powell, Gears, Cliffjumper, definitely not... I, I Like, there is a case, to say, Bumblebee is the standout character in this one, but there's so many unforced errors, um, such as, uh, like, leaving Spike behind um, and... Uh, also, yeah, just rolling backwards off the cliff. You know, that he didn't need, you know, Bumblebee is a small um, Autobot. He's very energy efficient, but, you know, he's not he's not a big fighter. Um, but So you can forgive him, you know, if, if the Decepticons beat him up or if he loses in a punch-up, that's fine. But the mistakes he makes in this one and leading the Autobots into a trap, it's just a poor show, really is. Um, so it's got to be Shockwave. Uh, for inventing the space bridge. Uh, what do you think?
0: I think Shockwave for inventing the space bridge and the persistence in calling Megatron for 4
1: million years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, these days, if somebody doesn't DM you back on Twitter in half an hour, you think they're ghosting you. Shockwave's got the tenacity, you know. He He, he, stay, he hangs on in there. He does indeed. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, good fun. Excellent. So, uh, do you know what episode is next? Next is an episode called Roll For It,
0: which is another one I remember from when I was a kid, but we'll talk about that next
1: time. I'm expecting lots of dice action.
0: (laughs) So, with that, it just remains to say thank you for listening to Robots In Your Eyes. I've been Jason Thompson with my co-host Stephen Alexander. We'll be back next week with another action-packed double bill. But until then... Take a lesson from Shockwave. If your boss is not returning your calls, just keep going. In four million years, you may get a response. We'll see you next time. That was Robots in Your Eyes. You can find us on Twitter at robotsineyes, or you can email us at robotsineyes at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to give us a nice review and comment on the podcast app of your choice.